Hi, Will Bell here with another installment of the My Personal Economy podcast. In today's episode, open banking. It's coming with expectations that consumers will benefit from the innovation. I'll explain to you what it is and what the potential downfalls are. In other news, banks are under heat again for not passing on the full interest rate cut with an ACCC inquiry just launched about this. Staggeringly, the 57th, yes, 57th banking inquiry since the GFC. Also, a new segment. Every episode, I'm going to discuss one reason why I think the property market will see its biggest boom ever in the coming years. This week, I'm going to explain how dodgy apartment buildings drive up the land price. Welcome to the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we get you up to speed with what's going on so you can make sound decisions when it comes to your financial life. Now, let's get started on today's topic. Open banking is in the process of being implemented in Australia. There are many applications to this, but basically it's an easy way for you to share all your banking information with a third party. That third party could be a mobile phone app. You could have one app to show all your accounts, no matter what financial institution it's held at. That would be extremely convenient for consumers to have a snapshot of their finances in the one location. This application could also tell you when your bank is ripping you off on your home loan or your credit card or your super fund accounts which would put the bank's loyalty tax at risk. Loyalty tax is now what the media are calling it when you have your home loan at your bank for too long and they have gradually hiked your interest rate up over time, therefore rewarding your loyalty by lining their pockets. These applications could take all your financial data and approve you for finance for your home loan almost instantaneously. This is undoubtedly something that will revolutionise finance in Australia and in my opinion, is just another knife in the back of large financial services providers and their inevitable decline. I'm painting a pretty rosy picture for the future of open banking here, and don't get me wrong, I think it will be a game changer for the way we approach finance as a country. But first you'll see businesses try and exploit this as a way to increase profits. One of the spruik benefits of open banking is that When a lender assesses you for finance, they're gathering the most amount of information possible. And that's because you're giving them access to your open banking profile. The least riskiest applications are meant to get the best rates on the market, which makes perfect sense, right? The only problem is that other places around the world where open banking has already been implemented has not resulted in home loan interest rate decreases. After all, why would the banks make less profit? What is happening is now lenders are armed with a whole lot more reasons to increase your interest rate because they will find data that suggests you are an increased risk. And for those with exemplary credit records, you get to keep the same rate that's already available to you. The trick here is that open banking was spruiked as something that will drive interest rates down for people who are operating their accounts well. I think in the long term, this will eventually happen, but that only happens with competition. In the long term, I think open banking will change the finance industry and it will operate for the better. In the short term, I don't think you should hold your breath. The public's faith in the finance industry is at rock bottom levels and for good reason. This brings us to ACCC's inquiry into banking home loan interest rates. 
As mentioned at the top of the episode, this is the 57th banking inquiry since the GFC. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has asked the ACCC to make an inquiry and Labor have approved it in principle. This has all come about because every time the Reserve Bank drops interest rates, the banks have not been passing on the full cut. We're all used to this by now. It's been happening for years, so to me it's strange why they want an inquiry now. Before I get to my thinkings on this, I want to mention that banks are independent businesses. They can move the home loan interest rates around as they like, and if they go too high, then competition will sort them out. The problem is there's a lack of competition. If our government truly cared about governing for the people, they would allow competition into this stale industry. Competition which would force lenders to compete and drive home loan interest rates down. Instead, they want to reaffirm the status quo of Josh and his rich friends versus the rest of everyone else. Which leads us back to why this circus act of an inquiry? What are they trying to distract us from? Actually, a better question to ask is, what is all the 57 inquiries been distracting us from? Because they sure as hell haven't done much. Firstly, I don't think Josh or any other politicians are smart enough to realise how easily they're being manoeuvred. If there was half a brain cell between them, they'd see the strong global economic headwinds and start spending like the Reserve Bank is telling them to do. But instead, they're playing politics and banging on about maintaining a surplus which, by the way, has only come about because iron ore prices went up. The banks, who knows what they're playing at, but you can be assured it's the angle that makes them the most profit. Maybe they're buying time to figure out how to get money into the hands of the public. That is the only way Australia will sail through this global recession, and it's why I'm sure the next property boom, when it eventually happens, will be massive. This brings me on to today's segment about the next property boom. Each episode, I'm going to go into just one reason why I think the price of land will get driven to deliriously high levels. I'm going to keep doing this till I run out of reasons, so I could be here for a while. Just to make sure we're all on the same page, I'm not in the camp who are running around telling everyone the property market's booming already. I do agree the foundation has been set with APRA's unwinding of lending restrictions and cheaper home loan rates. I'm on the record as saying I believe global share markets need to tank and the wreckage cleared away before we get the sort of confidence that leads to boom times. The main driver of the property market is availability of money. When stocks tank, the government will throw as much money as they can at the economic problem to fix it. Sure, it causes more problems in the long term, but who thinks more than three years in advance these days anyway? A current controversial topic is the disaster that is unfolding before our eyes in the apartment market. If you've been living under a rock, apartment owners are being forced to pay massive amounts of money to fix their death trap apartments to stop people from getting trapped and dying in them. This is because property developers, rich people, have taken shortcuts in the building process so now owners, poor people, have to pay. A Four Corners investigative report from August claims a majority of all apartments built since the year 2000s have defects. Now, this is a media report, so we do need to take it with a grain of salt and understand that media can ham things up a bit. But I think it's enough to suggest to us that this problem is quite large. In support of this, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has promised to fork out $600 million, but this looks like it's going to be a drop in the ocean 
compared to what's required. Anyway, this is going to have a disastrous effect on the apartment building prices built between the year 2000 and now. You might think this will drive prices down, but people still need places to live, and demand is still there. That demand will go towards the new apartment blocks that buyers can be confident of the constructions, or the older apartments built prior to the year 2000. This increased demand will create a scarcity of quality supply, therefore driving rents up. If I rent an apartment in the inner city, I'd be happy to pay an extra $30 a week not to live in a death trap. In a city with record population growth that outstrips housing supply, it is easy to view increasing rents as an inevitability. Higher rents mean higher returns for investors, which transfers into investors willing to pay a higher price. Not just that, the new regulations which no doubt will come in as a result of this will drive the cost to the consumer even higher. All this transfers to the land price getting driven up. This is just one factor where fundamental economic drivers will push real estate prices higher. In the next episode of the podcast, I'll explain the Dubai effect. We're already starting to see it here with Hong Kong money flooding into the top end of our real estate market. That's it from me for this episode. I'll catch you in the next installment of the podcast. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.